Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And verse 13 says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. He had just been seeing destruction after destruction. He saw kingdom rise after king. Four kingdoms rose, and each was destroyed, was disappeared, one swallowed up in the other. And then finally, in the last, the whole, all of the four beasts, see, was destroyed. And uh, and then it, it, this, by this fifth kingdom, in the, uh, he says... <clears throat> And there was given him, this ancient of days, there was given him dominion. That's authority to rule. Same dominion, spoken of in verse 12. And they had their dominion taken away. Now dominion, the same right, the same rule, the same authority, the same territory, past. To the ancient of days, there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him and his dominion. Now, you see, it's for all people, all nations, all languages. It's nations. It's, it's not in, it's not, uh, uh, this is not something that's an internal, voluntary, Necessary volunteer service. He has dominion over. He has authority over these people. And he has a right to rule over because of the kingdom that was given him. Now, how long is he going to rule? How long is he going to reign? And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. In other words, it's not going to come to an end. His dominion is not going to pass to another earthly kingdom. Now, in in 1 Corinthians 15, you're going to find how that the kingdom, that this kingdom will pass, just uh, glide right on in to eternity into the eternal kingdom, when he gives up his kingdom to the Father. Yeah, this is a kingdom that will be given. That's right. Uh, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body. That's, uh, and the visions of my head trouble me. In the midst of my body is is the sheath. It's the same thing as taking a sword and putting it in a, a scabbard. 
he said, uh, he said, I was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. Now in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel was the interpreter. The Lord gave him the uh, the understanding, the interpretation of, of his dreams. Here, Daniel now has a dream, and it puzzles him. Just as the dreams uh, troubled Nebuchadnezzar, and that he couldn't sleep, now then, Daniel, after having seen this vision, he asked uh, one that stood by, in the vision. He's still in the vision. And he wanted to know the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, and here's what the angel tells him, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Now that's why uh, in stating, in reading the previous verses, that we uh, understand the first beast, the lion, to be Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the bear to be the Medes and Persians. And the leopard to be the Grecian, or Alexander's kingdom. And then this fourth kingdom, uh, it, uh, we, since it's four kings, the only other world uh, kingdom was the Roman kingdom. So, uh, the angels tells him that there are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Now, in verse 1, they came up out of the sea, didn't they? You see? But the sea and the earth, I mean, they're earthly beings, but now they're dominion. They come up out of the mass, the sea is used for the mass of humanity, and that, uh, this, the, the troublesome and the, the the agitation of the sea is a good picture of the world, of, of the mass of humanity. They're all fighting and struggling one against the other, don't you see? And out of the struggles, out of all of that agitation, came forth uh, the, the beast. But actually, they came out of the earth. They were from the earth. Uh, so, verse 18. Now, here's something, here's something new. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Now that's what the angel told him, see. He, he wanted to know the interpretation. So, uh, now, uh, in verse 13, 14, you uh, cut it before. Verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. <clears throat> In verses 13 14, the kingdom is given to the Son of Man. 
in verse uh, 18, it says, The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. Now, how you interpret the saints? Who are the saints? How you, this is a very key word in prophecy, especially in the book of Daniel. Uh, and it's also, uh, will carry through into the 24th chapter of Matthew. Uh, the dispensationalist says that the saints here refer to the Jewish saints who will come out of the tribulation period, who will be saved during the tribulation. Now, <clears throat> any, any person who interprets the word saints here as equivalent to the elect, to the children of God, and embracing the whole family of God, you can tell immediately that he's a post-tribber. If you interpret this as a as limited to Jewish saints, then it's a sign uh, and uh, that you're a pre-tripper, that you hold to the twofold return coming of Christ. That he comes back in two stages. He comes back for his saints, which is called the rapture, and they are taken back to heaven, and then seven years later they come with his saints. Now, <clears throat> the saints... Uh, that the Lord takes with him, you see, are what they call, what is commonly called church saints. But it, the only, the simple, the only reason they call church saints is because, uh, the same group of people call, uh, Christianity from the day of Pentecost, uh, church saints. That, that the old dispensation didn't actually in, although it was uh, it was rendered null and void through the death of Christ, they still continued to worship under the old dispensation. See, and it wasn't until Acts two uh, takes place, day of Pentecost, till the church is born. And, and my contention is that any church, any organization, any religious group that has come into existence since the death of Christ, that organization or that church, however respectable it may be, or however disrespectable, such as the Guyana People's Temple uh, has proved itself to be, see, uh, it's nothing but a cult. They're all cults. They're all sect in the sight of God. They, uh, why? Because uh, the Lord established his church while he was on the earth. And uh, I can give you uh, 25 good reasons, biblical reasons, why the church was in existence before the Lord Jesus died. And that's the reason uh, that has uh, something to do with your... Uh, what you want me to talk about sometime, you know, with reference to the church, John's baptism, and with the Christians. Well, uh, uh, when I put every organization 
any organization that professes to be a Christian organization, a church, if it's started this side, the Lord Jesus Christ, his personal ministry, and that includes the day of Pentecost, if it started that day or any time thereafter, it's too late to be called a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, nearly all the major denominations take great pride of tracing their origin to the day of Pentecost. And actually, uh, they, the Lord said that every plant, you know, that uh, would be uprooted, ones that he hadn't planted, so to speak. And I think that figure could be used of the church as any other figure. Well, but to, back to verse 18, uh, but the saints, that's all saints, that's the children of God, whether they're Jew, whether they're Gentile. You said they're back on earth, and they say Yeah, these people are on earth. Rain. Yeah, that's right. See? That's right. These are God, as far as you concerned. That's right. That's the people of God upon this earth. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Now, uh, actually, this word from the Most High is in the uh, uh, in the plural. The saints, saints are saints because of the election of God, because of the choice of God. They are saints because of the Son, because they've been redeemed by the Son. See? And they are saints because the Holy Spirit has uh, has uh, called them, separated them, uh, called them out from the world. And uh, so uh, they are the saints of the Most High. Now, this can, uh, according to the, the grammarians, this can be also be translated saints of the most uh, high ones, or the as Paul wrote in Ephesians, uh, who sit together in heavenly, who hath made us, see, to sit together in heavenly places, high places, holy places. And uh, so, well... <clears throat> Is verses 17 and verses 18 was the angel's interpretation. And evidently, Daniel thought that the angel was finished, that that's all he was going to tell him. Daniel was so interested and so enthusiastic about uh, this fourth beast. He hadn't... Uh, there's something about that that, that struck... Uh, that he was uh, needed further information. And he asked, uh, the angel. He says, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was different or diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass. Now, that's something new. First time the toenails have been uh, uh, introduced in the vision, see? And his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamp the residue with his heart. In other words, all that he couldn't break in pieces, why, uh, he, he, he tried to stop them. 
And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that's... Uh, verse 21. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints, and of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, now, in these verses, Daniel uh, reminds the angel of the character, the characteristics of this fourth beast. And he said, I want to know more about that. And he uh, repeats that he, had, that he beheld until he saw this horn make war with his saints and prevailed against them until the ancient of days came. That's how it will end. That's how the war uh, civilization will end. That's the only way that uh, injustice, unrighteousness, and uh, political kingdoms of devouring one another uh, will continue until the ancient of days comes in judgment, in poor judgment, was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Now, they haven't possessed the kingdom in actuality, in reality, in, but here's the vision, here's a, a prophecy, here's the, the seeing what is going to take place, you see. Uh, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first. And he shall subdue three kings. See, what he's wanting to know, he's wanting to know the truth about this fourth beast and this little horn. And he's getting further... uh uh, further instructions concerning this fourth beast and the ten horns and the little horn. And he tells them that the ten kings shall rise after, after this, uh, fourth beast that had gone away. That's you, that's the ten toes. Uh, in the, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it's the ten horns in Daniel's vision. That it's ten kings after in other words, that's that's a picture way old down in in the future. Now here is the uh, basic uh, begins the basic difference and misunderstanding and and will determine how we inter uh, interpret prophecy is whether or not these ten kings have already existed or whether they are yet to exist. In other words. Uh, if these ten kings have already existed, the stone has already, it's a historical fact, it's already smoked, uh, the, it's it has smitten the image already. 
And the kingdom, the ancient of days, has already come and possessed the kingdom. The dominion, power, has already been turned over to him. And he has taken that power and has supplanted the four earthly kingdoms. Now, to say that these ten kings are now historical kings, and that they were history before Christ was born, or that they were existence when Christ was born, is to say that the ten kings were smitten by the stone. It's to say that in the first coming of Christ, by his death, that he was the ancient of days and has come and has been given dominion, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and the saints shall possess the kingdom with him. They are, they are living and reigning with him. And that's what most of the world believes today. The religious world, most of the world believes that Christ came and had his birth and at his death. He smoked this image. He smoked civilization. And the, by his death, uh, uh, he has uh, destroyed the power of death, the, the Satan, and that he has brought redemption, the possibility, not redemption, but he has, uh, he has brought redeemability, the possibility of redemption, made it possible. And as people receive that message, as they believe in him, this stone rolls, gets bigger, and gets bigger, and bigger. Well, now, if uh, so, you've got to, that's the first thing you've got to determine. Does this vision go beyond the first coming of Christ? In fact, I do not believe that Daniel talks about in this vision, or in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the first coming of Christ. I don't believe it's in view. I don't believe there is anything in it at all. Now, we'll have something of the coming of Christ when he comes, but that'll be in the ninth chapter. But in chapter 7, Jesus, uh, Daniel sees only one coming of the Son of God. And that's coming in power, in glory, coming to take this kingdom to rule and to reign. Now, <clears throat> if if he has, uh, if the first coming is to be interpreted as the smiting stone coming, and if it's uh, an invisible spiritual kingdom that he's to set up, and that he did set up, well then, according to this vision, then the uh, uh, it will do as uh, the postmodernist says. It will, and Doctor Carroll, do you, do you have his? Where well, you have his books or not? But if you have his book on Daniel, 
You ought to turn to see what he uh, says about this. He says that, and it's a picture of post-millennialism, he says that every mountain, every hill, every valley, every outpost, every island, that this stone will roll until every island, every mountain, and every valley, every plain will be conquered. The white throne of the crucifixion of Christ, the, the triumph of Christ over uh, uh, over the world will be set up, will be established. In other words, he's saying that the whole world will be evangelized, will be completely, uh, uh, or there'll be a few here and there, but they won't give any trouble. They're not enough to, uh, well, they'd be insignificant, the ones that do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that are not evangelized. And, all right, now what is that doing? That is changing the vision, the image. That's saying that the stone comes, but it don't smite anything. It starts rolling. And it rolls and rolls. And then as it rolls, it hits the stone. Every time it turns over, it it hits that image a little bit. And if it keeps on, it's going to get big enough that after a while, there's going to be no image. It just knocks them out of of bits. Now, if that's what this is saying, and he says he'd stake his reputation as a scholar that that is what this is saying, uh, then uh, if we look to the future for the coming of Christ, why, then we're, we're, we're looking in vain. See? Right, now, I want to point out that the coming of Christ, which is uh, spoken of here, I saw uh, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Now, this is a scene in heaven. See, this is what takes place in heaven. This is Christ getting his authority. He's already gone back to heaven, see. Uh, but now he's fixing to descend. He's, uh, uh, you see, when Jesus, uh, just before he left, he told uh, about the nobleman that was going into far country to get authority uh, to rule and to reign. He came back, you know. But he went, all right, now then, notice. You see, the one like the Son of Man came with clouds of heaven, came to the Ancient of Days, came to God, the Father. And they brought him near before him. That's the angelic, the they uh, is angelic beings. It doesn't say so in so many words, but it's uh, heavenly, heavenly seen. And there was given him dominion and glory. Now, they invested him with Authority and power, don't you see? This is God. And uh, we've given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now that's what he's given authority to rule over and to reign in and to have. But, uh, 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 that, that's, uh, that's prophecy. 
That's, that will take place. Alright, now, the coming of Christ here is, first of all, is for judgment, as we notice in verse, verses 9 and 10. And uh, then the coming of Christ is pre-millennial. There's no millennium before this coming. It's pre-millennial. He comes before the, the millennium, whatever it is, you see. Power and authority was given him, and he comes to reign. Well, now, if he does, well, that's before the millennium. So his, he, he, he gets the authority in heaven when he rose from the dead, and the last words to his disciples was, all power hath been given to him, see, uh, in heaven and on earth. All right? Now, when, uh, when the Lord ascended to heaven, and when it says, uh, with reference to the clouds of heaven here, uh, the uh, post-millennialist interprets this as the Lord returning to heaven uh, on the clouds of glory when the disciples saw him go up into heaven. And he goes into heaven and then he sat down on, on the throne of God, the majesty uh, on the right hand of the Father. All right? And they say that then's when he began to rule, and that he's reigning now over the saints. And that's his kingdom, and that's the only kingdom he'll ever have. That's the amillennial, amillennial view. No more kingdoms. But the postmillennialist believes that he's there in heaven now reigning and ruling, and because of the power and authority that's invested in him and by the efficacy of the cross, he will save, his kingdom will be enlarged and increased according as the disciples preach the gospel. See? Go ye into all the world. And uh, he said that, you see, just before he left. And they say that their view is that uh, the Lord... uh, Gave the authority to the uh, uh, to the disciples. Some say it's the church, and uh, for them to go and preach the gospel, and wherever they go, the Lord will be with them, and His promise is to be with them to the end of the age. And they're gonna cannot come on that view until this messianic heavenly reign. And rule and intercession. And uh, it's uh, theologically called this session at God's right hand. Uh, on as so long as God is at the, uh, Christ is at the right hand of God, uh, that on earth will the activity of preaching the gospel and this kingdom will keep rolling and rolling and it'll smite the image and the image just disappears because there's nothing left. See, it's the image is converted. Well, according to uh, da- according to Nebuchadnezzar's dream and according to Daniel's vision, it that uh, uh, there's an intervention takes place. God is going to uh, to me. This is telling about uh, the Lord coming to this earth, and uh, in harmony with this is the nineteenth chapter, the nineteenth chapter of Revelation. Uh, will be the fulfillment of verses 13 and 14. 
uh, when he comes, the picture is given him as up on the white horse, you see. All right, now there's a judgment. What is the judgment? The first judgment is meted out. The, is a judgment upon the, the, the two beasts of Revelation. See the, uh, this little horn right here that we're talking about. And we're going to uh, go to Revelation in just a minute. Uh, because he wanted to know more about what that little horn was. And what did that little horn do? And we're going to see how these horns, uh, uh, how these two kings, uh, how they compare. But there, uh, by intervention, I mean there's going to be a, a catastrophe, so to speak. It's a, it's a sudden uh, cataclysm. It's, a, it, it's not just an a event that happens smoothly, but there's going to be something upset about it. The coming of Christ back to this earth is going to be as lightning and as thunder. Uh, as the lightning shineth under the, uh, from the east to the west, even so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And the Bible says that there will be a shout, the voice of the archangel. Brother, there's, it's going to be, uh, the world is going to know about it when he comes. Uh, that's what I mean uh, by, and, uh, by intervention. He's going to intervene in the affairs of the world. If he didn't, it would continue to go right on. In other words, according to his providential uh, uh, rule and reign now over these governments, because these governments couldn't exist without his providential supervision over it. The governments only can go so far and so long. And each one of these beasts ruled and reigned just so long as it pleased God for them to reign and to rule. And just so, when this fourth kingdom, when the days of this, when this fourth kingdom shall exist in the tenfold stage, and then's when the Son of God will return. It'll, and that'll be the end. But it will be in victory. Because he points out now here, what is for the saints? The saints will take the kingdom and reign. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.